0: Here we go! What's up, guys? It's Coach Theo at the FMU Faith Fitness Farm. i got to tell you something that I didn't do on Sunday that I should have done, and it prevented me from doing what I wanted to do. Oh, I'm going to tell you in a second. We will go into Ephesians 4.11. I just want to give you the scripture about spiritual gifts and teach what I was supposed to teach on Sunday. So you will hear that. But i got to be honest, transparent, vulnerable. I love to do this because uh, chances are someone needs to hear this right now, and this is probably why it didn't happen on Sunday. So, I go into church on Sunday. It's a great start to the morning. Lots of cool people, awesome worship. I'm feeling good. I get up to teach the Word of God and I'm thinking, all right, I can do this even though my heart's not in the right place right now. And then I get that that pounding in my heart, which I always say is the Holy Spirit telling me to to do something. And I go, all right, it's about to get awkward. I need to do something. Um, Nope, I'm just going to force through this. I'm not going to do it right now. What am I talking about? Well, Guess what happened on Saturday night? Me and my wife got in a fight over something stupid, nothing. Uh, we, we shouldn't even have gotten in a fight. It happened so fast, and I didn't do my part as a leader to handle it right. I'm not going to talk about who's right or wrong, even though I wasn't wrong. I'm just going to talk about the fact that I didn't handle it with grace and with love. And I think as men, when we lead our households right, we can always cut through tension and reset the tone. I think that's just the way that God designed us. It is our job, it's our responsibility. I didn't do it, I messed up, okay? So we can't resolve the issue on Sunday morning because we're in a little bit of a rush. We gotta get to church, I gotta get out early. I think, all right, whatever, I can just force through this, no big deal, and my heart starts to pound, and instead of getting awkward, I decide to try to force through it, and guess what happens? I do get stifled, I do mess up the teaching, I can't connect the dots, I can't bridge the gap in the main points and really Get a clear-cut message across, and I do think God halted me because what do we know? We are supposed to clear our hearts and our minds, and remove tension and divide division in order to properly worship and make the word come alive. Because now I'm not walking in the spirit. You know what's funny? I was going into Ephesians four. You know it's one of what one of the last passages it might be the last passage of Ephesians four is in thirty-one to thirty-two. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So in that moment, the lesson is I should have either made sure we forgave each other on our own time. Or it should have been a good lesson to the church, like, hey, this happens, we're real people, we messed up, we want to forgive each other before we move forward, and um, then it's going to be so much better. We I didn't, and therefore, if you did feel tension, that's why. And you know what? How about this? What a great lesson if you did feel it. You're practicing your gift of discerning spirits. Let's pretend that's a lesson that God wanted us to go through. And now, I, I'm now sharing it on this podcast, and someone else needs to just hear the fact that we're real. Someone else needs to hear the fact that if you've got bitterness in your heart, you need to release that because you're not going to be walk, able to walk in the fullness of Christ unless you do. So, what was I supposed to do on Sunday? If you were there, forgive me. That I couldn't do because of this heart situation. I was teaching about my experience in traditional church, and I wanted to lead into how it related to what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 4. I then wanted just to say it's interesting that he is teaching us about this five-fold ministry. What do we have to think about? And I like to always say in this situation when we're learning about scripture that people can take out of context or might not make sense. What are some of the things we need to see before and after so that we can understand it better? What is he teaching us about walking in humility? What is he teaching us about walking in our renewed self and maturity and how does that apply to these gifts? That's what we can pull away. So, let me just summarize it for those of you that missed it, for those of you that are hearing it today. First, let me read the scripture, just so you even know where I'm leading into. Ephesians 4.11, we see more gifts. Why are we looking at gifts? We always want people to know what's in this scripture, what's available to us, and if it's going to affect how we operate as a body of Christ, it's really important. What else? We always want to know the truth because people can take things out of context. They can pull scripture out and mislead the body of Christ, and we never want to be misled. So here's what you're going to see. Here's what we're leading into. And he gave some. This is Ephesians 4 11. Who gave some? Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints. For what? The work of ministry. For what? The building up of the body of Christ that's what we're leading into so I was sharing that my experience with traditional church wasn't cutting it and I was just walking people through the process I've been at all different levels of on fire and pursuing Jesus and feeling his presence and wanting to encounter him in all my experiences to then you know like serving in ministry learning more about him feeling him in the word and the spirit and I've been in dead seasons where I've, I was going to church, sitting in the back row, fully content with just learning and being taught, but not being the church and not pursuing Him. I was in the church. I wasn't being the church. So I've been in those dead seasons too. And I was just walking people through the process of the good thing about all this, it made me question what is traditional church supposed to be? It made me question what is my role supposed to be? And so I just want you to know that I'm not knocking any churches whatsoever. There's so much good that I've learned from, for lack of a better word, traditional church. There's so much I've learned from pastors and teachers in those roles. Um, so it's not a knock against them. It just makes you wonder if traditional church is halting growth. The And the, and the same um way on the flip side i also reflected so much on the what is my part as a member to push me to actually start exercising accordingly so here's my takeaway for you if this means anything we have to cut slack or give slack cut grace to leaders i think a lot of the leaders of churches are trying to do the best they can they mean well they do want to push people to be more doers of the word, but they're being halted, they're being capped by the structure of the church. They're also being capped and halted by people. So then I, want, I do wanna say though, we gotta cut grace to people though, because some people are sitting in the back row, but they do want more, they just don't know what's available to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts they've been given. They're not being taught really what it means to be a doer of the word, and they're maybe not given the opportunity to walk in that. All right, so cut grace to leaders, cut grace to people. However, if you are sleeping, wake up because you need to hear this part. Sorry, I got distracted for a second. You need to hear this part. We also need to challenge leaders and members as well because some leaders aren't cultivating the environment to grow people in their gifts. They're not teaching it. They're not pushing people. And you would have to hold me responsible if I'm not doing that. That's why I'm trying to be more intentional and figure out as a trainer, as a minister, whatever you want to call me, how does this look and how do we do it? And then we do have to challenge members who are just sitting in the back row. I've been there. I've done it. Who aren't doing their part. All ligaments matter, Paul teaches us in Ephesians 4. They're not doing their part to strengthen their ligaments and be a part of the bigger body we do have to challenge people because you can't just sit there and and not participate so there's grace to both there's a challenge to both the responsibility is and both that's just my opinion well you guys know we own a gym we train people you can have the greatest program in the world if people don't participate and stick to the program results aren't going to happen Oh, and you guys know there are some businesses and gyms that look absolutely incredible. They have all the shiny details and best programs, but they're not teaching what's actually effective and therefore people aren't transforming. Millions of people are walking into gyms and churches, but they're not transforming. Is there a reason? I say all that just to say there's a lot of similarities and parallels in what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 4. All right, so I'm not going to dive into a ton of detail. Just want to always give you, what are the main points? What do we take away to apply to our own lives when he talks about gifts? So you need to understand some context. Let's just go through some questions. Let's just really see exactly what he says before and after. And then we'll think, where are we at in our own lives? All right. You saw the scripture from Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and leaders. They are gifts given by Jesus. What do you have to know? Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, was made up of holy people, saints, faithful people. They were sticking to the doctrine that Paul taught them. They were just losing their first love. Who is that? Christ first three chapters he's teaching them really about don't forget what Jesus did for you don't forget the gift that's been given to you through God's grace alone is the only reason why we see this ability to have faith in Christ don't forget that because that is the motivating factor for why we walk in maturity so he's leading us he's leading us into that what else do you need to know Ephesians, uh, the church at Ephesus, was one of the seven churches in Revelation that Jesus writes a letter to, and they are rebuked because He tells them, you lost your first love. He commends them for a lot, but then He says, get back to your first love. Repent. What's their first love? Jesus. So let us always remember, no matter what we pursue, let's pursue Jesus, Him and everything, in the Word, in the Spirit. He is our, He's what we're, who we are pursuing, no matter what, who we're pointing to. All right, so you kind of know that context. Here's what I want you to think about. Why does it matter that we see this five-fold ministry? I'm just going to ask you some questions, and I'm just going to show you what Paul says before and after this. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. So, some things to think about. Some claim, take this passage and claim this is the structure Jesus intended for modern-day churches to. Jesus gifted these people with these gifts. As Paul's saying, don't forget that these gifts matter, and this is what you need to do the work, to receive the calling that you've been given, to do the work of the ministry. So we just got to think about that. See, some don't think that's what he's saying, but we just got to wonder, is this how the church is supposed to operate now, we got to ask ourselves, how would that even look in a practical setting? What does that look like? Some movements are getting way too caught up in titles, though. And then what do they do? They abuse authority. And instead of saying, hey, we're servants of the Lord, what did we just hear? This is about building up the body of Christ, equipping people for the work of the ministry. We're servants of the Lord, regardless of or whether or not we have these gifts. Uh, we cannot abuse this authority. We are servants of Of the Lord. And here's what's cool. Paul starts off this chapter with that, teaching us to be humble, to be patient, to love one another, to walk in peace. So he's setting us up to remember that we're one body and one spirit, with one Lord, with one baptism, with one faith, that God is in all of us. He's setting us up to stay in that posture. So that's really important for us to remember. That's what he says leading into this. Alright, and so then we just gotta ask ourselves, is the current structure not operating the way it's supposed to and therefore people aren't operating in their gifts whether it's the leaders or the ligaments the members of this body and is that why some of us have felt this sense to walk away from what we might think is traditional church to grow small again so we can gain traction and build that foundation moving forward so we're going to look around for these giftings we're going to tap into them and figure out how God is trying to teach us to place them in this body. So whenever I look at these verses that I see, some people, they'll just take this fivefold ministry and run with it. I always just say, well, what are we supposed to understand if we don't fully understand it yet? Before we start taking, taking this maybe to the extreme, what are we supposed to understand? And it's just that they're listed for a reason. I don't think we can dismiss them and say that these giftings don't exist today. I think, yeah, when it comes to apostles, that's going to look different than the original apostles. Um, I do think people still have those giftings. Do we really have to get so caught up in titles and trying to create a formula? Probably not. But we should take this passage, reflect on it, and ask if Jesus did gift the early church with these um, gifts— then are we fully tapping into them? That's all. I list descriptions of spiritual gifts on my website. So if you want to go check those out, go check those out. It helps you understand what this would technically look like. How can we tap into them? Do you have them? etc. All right, so I just look at these scriptures and I think, then what does he say before and after as well? Because he is setting us up with the posture of humility. And then afterwards, what is he saying? Well, he'll start teaching us about hold on a second, my Bible fell. He'll start teaching us about spiritual maturity. And I just want you to know, he's telling us to walk away from our old selves, to walk in our renewed selves. He's telling us to stop being like children and infants and start growing into maturity. And he's telling us how to do that with some do nots and with some things that we are to do. And so what I want to do is I just want to read you that word as we finish this out. So you can reflect on where you're at what's blocking you from walking in maturity or exercising your gifts and what knowledge or or ex, i would say environment do you need to get there are you being halted and is it you is it your responsibility or is it the environment that you're in that's all let's reflect on that but what is he saying we'll feel we'll experience the fullness of Christ we'll grow into the maturity into the fullness of Christ will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. So this is what he's saying after Ephesians 4.11. Remember, I like to see what's before and what's after and it helps us understand how to respond. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head. So how many of you know you can speak truth but without um, love it's not Christ. You can be loving but without truth it's not truly love. Did you catch that? Oh, I could speak truth, but if it's not loving, it's not Christ. So there's a way to do it. And I can love somebody, but if I'm not speaking truth, do I really love them? So meaning, he's speaking to Christians in this book, by the way. So if I have a Christian brother or sister, and they're not growing into maturity of Christ, it's like, I got to tell you the truth because I love you. And if I don't tell you, then I might not be practicing love. All right. Have you ever been in that situation? Probably from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And I just want you to see that he says some do nots and he says a lot of walks like this is how you actually walk this out. So again, you look at the scripture. What is he saying? I say no longer walk as you used to take off your former way of life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm just summarizing what he says to finish out this chapter. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, put on the new self. We're supposed to put away lying. We're supposed to, um, let's see, be imitators of God. We're supposed to walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. All right, so those those are some of the things we literally see Paul spelling out in this chapter in Ephesians 4. I don't know what that means for you. Reflect on it. Think about it. Up next, we're going into 1 Corinthians 14. Probably the most controversial scripture on gifts. Tongues? and prophecy. But if churches would just address this, I think we would understand more about how this is supposed to look, clear up any confusion, and continue to strengthen each other so much. So stay tuned. Stay with us. It's about to get even better. God bless you guys and have a fantastic day.